Hello, this is Christian Kuhn from Urban Village Church in Chicago. Happy New Year to all of you who are listening. Hope 2016 has gotten off to a good start for you. I apologize for being somewhat silent on the podcast over the holidays. I didn't preach for a couple times during those uh, weeks, so I had nothing, I had plenty to say, always have plenty to say, but nothing formally ready to share. But it's a new year, we have a new sermon series, it's a new day for our particular site here in Chicago. We are moving to a new neighborhood, and January 10th will be the first grand launch of that, so we're excited about so many things, and I'm excited about sharing some thoughts with you as we start this new sermon series here at our church. But before I get into that, let me read today's scripture. This comes from Genesis 2. And it'll be verses 4 through 9, and then I'm going to jump to verse 15 and go through verse 19. So here are these words. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also is in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. Then the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the, more, whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. May God's blessing be on the reading and hearing and living out of this word. So here in the South Loop neighborhood of Chicago, which is where our site will be and where I live, there's a buzz because of a new donut store that is opening up on January 16th, a place called Stan's Donuts. It's based out of California, but they have started three different franchises in Chicago, and their fourth one will be starting here in the South Loop, and that has lots of people talking. People feel strongly about their donuts. And so in the midst of all this conversation, and as I was thinking about this new sermon series, I thought about this commercial that ran for about 10 to 15 years, especially in the 80s, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. You may remember it. There was a man, I think his name was Fred, who was a worker at Dunkin' Donuts. And the commercial would show him going early in the morning out the door. And he would mutter to himself or say to himself, time to make the donuts. And then it would show him coming back into the home, him saying again, I made the donuts. And then it would just be repeated this time to make the donuts. I made the donuts. By the end of the commercial, I can't quite tell if Fred is really thrilled about making these donuts. And it's, he's doing it so early and so often that in one, the last scene of the commercial, they show one version of Fred coming out and another one coming in, and they literally bump into each other. Time to make the donuts. So I thought about that because I thought about the ways that we think about and sometimes perhaps 
engage in our work. Our work that we may do 9 to 5, or maybe at 7 to 3, or maybe you work the night shift. However it is, we go, most of us go and have something to do, work, vocation every single day. And we get into a routine. And maybe we get to the point where we feel like we are literally running into ourselves. We may ask ourselves, am I coming? Am I going? And so when we think about that, when we really think about our routine, especially when it comes to work, I think there are deeper questions underneath these perhaps superficial questions. If we really reflect on what we do for the majority of our lives, we may ask ourselves, well, why am I doing this? And then that may lead to questions, really deep philosophical questions. Why am I here anyway? What is my purpose? These are really big, good questions to ask ourselves. And I think sometimes work gets us to the point where we're asking those questions. And that's what we wanted to reflect on, not necessarily these deep questions, but instead to reflect on our daily lives in our work. The sermon series is called Flourish, How to Find Joy in Work. And we started the new new year asking, how does my day-to-day work fit into God's purposes? So over the next five weeks, we'll explore different facets of these questions including how do we integrate our faith and work, what happens when we hate what we do every day, and is there such a thing as working for the common good and other things as well. So before I start with today, let me also acknowledge that when I say work, I don't just mean that this is for those people who go into an office every day. It is, for example, work to be a student. It is work to parent. It is work to be looking for work. So no matter how we spend our days or nights, I think we ask ourselves these deep questions. Why am I here? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be me? What, again, what is my purpose? Now, here's a little spoiler alert. I doubt that I will have a specific answer for you after I'm done today. But I do hope that we can at least begin unpacking this question as it pertains to our work. So why are you here? What is your purpose? I don't think it hurts to go back to the beginning to start answering these questions, which is why we're looking at the book of Genesis today, specifically a version that's called the creation story that I think is overlooked. Now, before I get into this text that I read, uh, I have a question for you to think about. When you think about what's called the creation story, or maybe you think about Genesis 1, what are words that come to mind for you? On Sunday, when I preach this, I'm going to have a big uh, whiteboard and I'll be writing things, answers that people will have. My guess is that people will say Adam and Eve or Eden. They may think of uh, snake or apple. Uh, They may think of seven days. They may think of the phrase, it was good. And a lot of these phrases, a lot of these words and images come from Genesis 1. That's not what we read today. You may know some of Genesis 1. This writing in Genesis 1 is not science, as some people, I think, tend to think of it. It's poetry. Here's some of the words and phrases from Genesis 1. In the beginning, you may know this, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. What a lovely way to begin our holy scriptures. And that starts us off in this beautiful way of describing how the world came to be. Genesis 1 tells us that God is saying, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters. Let dry land appear. Let there be lights in the sky. Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures. And every time after one of these first six days, the text tells us, as I noted earlier, God saw that it was good. 
That's Genesis 1 and a little bit of Genesis 2. It's not what I read today. I think many people have maybe a vague notion of the story that I read when asked, you know, after Genesis 1, well, then what happened? You might be able to say, well, I think another human was created, also known as woman, and I think she was created by taking the rib of the first human, but then we jump to the snake in the apple story, conflict, right? We don't spend as much time on the second chapter of Genesis. Or I have a commentary, which is a, a big book written by very smart people, smarter than me, telling, uh, telling me, like, here are some things that we may not know by reading the scriptures at their face value. So in my commentary, when I read the second chapter of Genesis, it says another look at creation. And it's here where we get a good look at the first interactions between the first human and God. So if Genesis 1 is poetry, Genesis 2 gives us some prose. Some scholars say this is a totally different creation story. So, in fact, saying there are two creation stories. Others say this is really more of an expansion on the sixth day when God created the first humans. But for our purposes here today, I'm particularly interested in verse 7. Verse 7 again says this, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, you may not know this, but there's a lot here in this one verse. It reminds me of stories about where we came from. My kids love to hear stories about, tell us the day, or tell us about the day when we were born. They love to hear how they were born and the feelings that their mom and I felt when we saw them for the first time. And for my daughter especially, it's a very vivid memory because... My son's memory is very vivid as well, but for my daughter, it was just my wife and I, and we had a nurse midwife with us in a hospital. And just as it was very clear that our daughter was about to emerge, the nurse midwife turned to me and said, do you want to bring her out? And I was floored by this. And I was like, I, I, are you kidding me? But then I did. I helped bring our daughter into the world, and I held her for the first time. And all of these memories will just be always tattooed on my mind. And I love sharing that story with Caroline to tell her, this is, this is how you came to be. And I think it's important for us. We may have that same feeling, but perhaps we also need to go back to look at this verse, like how you and I came to be according to Genesis. Now, when the text says that the Lord God formed man, I think it's important to look at the Hebrew word for this. It's spelled A-D-A-M. We pronounce it Adam, or in Hebrew, Adam. So the word man, human, is Adam, Adam. God forms Adam from the dust of the ground, or earth, and the Hebrew word for this, listen closely, is Adama, A-D-A-M-A-H. So first human is created from the ground, the dust. This is where we come from. God creates the first human out of the earth. So that's part of our connection. But that's not the end of verse 7. Then verse 7 says this, And then God breathed into this first human, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And this gives us that spark. A scholar named Terence Fredheim says, This breath of life is not just air in general, but God's own living breath. 
to reflect on that for a moment. I don't feel like this is just this first human that is made both from earth and dust and this breath of life, this holy breath of life. I believe that is you and me. So let that sink in for just a moment. So what does God do with this first human, both part dust and part breath of life? Verse 8 says, the Lord God planted a garden of Eden, and that's where he puts the man that he formed. And then it goes on. The man watches, perhaps, God planting the garden, and trees begin to come about. And then we go to verse 15, and then we see the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. So the very first action that human does is work. It is not just to sit back and praise and give thanksgiving, not just to sing songs, not to pray, not to interact with anything else. The first task that God gives the first human is to work. And we might think, well, that doesn't sound very good. But notice, God has already started things, but God needs help to continue the creativity. Another Biblical scholar named Walter Brueggemann says that work is good, surely, to enhance the garden. From the beginning of human destiny, God is prepared to entrust the garden to this special creature. From the beginning, the human creature is called, given a vocation, and expected to share in God's work. God doesn't just give this first human grunt things to do. It's not just tilling and keeping. It is taking what God has started and allowing creativity to flourish in the world. And it doesn't stop there. This is what I think is even more exciting. Verse 19, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Am I the only one, perhaps, who thinks that here we have the very first director of marketing in the world? God allows this first human to work the soil so that creativity, that life will continue to come out of the ground, and then God expects more creativity from this first human to name things. What a powerful thing this is. And I believe this is our task and vocation and call as well, that work is holy and sacred. We are called to create and to be creative with what we do for a living. And yet, perhaps some of you, when I say this to you, you think back to the donut guy. I got to go to work. And you're coming and going and sometimes feeling like you're literally run into each other. And this is, you're not alone if that's where you are. In 2013, Gallup polling did a survey that said that seven out of 10 workers in the United States have checked out at work or, or, or are actively disengaged. They did a massive survey, 100 million people in America who hold full-time jobs. The first section said 30 million said they are actively engaged. The second type, 50 million, said they are not engaged. The third type, these are actively disengaged individuals. These are people who hate to go to work. That's 20 million people. 70 million out of the 100 million that did the survey are disengaged from work. They're coming and going. They feel they have no purpose. Like, I'm doing this for a paycheck, and that's it. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to earn a living to support ourselves, to support our families. And yet, when we think back to when God first said to the first human, I want you to bring forth something, to use your God-given creativity to tie in, reflect on, 
utilize the breath of life that I've given you to create something. Now, I'll talk about this in a couple of weeks when we talk more about for those who really don't like what they do for a living. But perhaps circumstances, they have lost a sense. Now, there are different, again, reasons why they may feel disengaged, but maybe they lost a sense that they are a combination of earth and God's breath, that there is holiness, sacredness in who they are, and maybe they've lost sense that every single kind of work is God's hope for the flourishing of creation. Every single kind of work. Now, there are a lot of what-ifs here, and people, I'm sure, are thinking about, well, you don't know what I do for a living. Well, perhaps that's true. But I don't think either can we just punch the time clock and go in and out in ways that just kill our souls. Is there some way in what you do where you can reclaim God's breath of life that is in you and be creative to create something that allows the world to flourish? About a year ago, we had the interior of our home repainted by two men, and they were really nothing short of artisans. Now, I don't know if I would have used that label before they started as they were painting our walls and our ceilings, but every day they showed up quietly and carefully and took to doing this painting. It was fascinating to watch them. It was evident that they cared about every stroke of brush and every movement of the sandpaper and inspired me to look at my own work to say, am I taking the same care and pride in what I do compared to these men who are painting? And at first you might think, well, you're painting. What creativity can come out of that? But I saw the care and the ways that they did their work, and I was inspired by them. And then on their very last day, when they announced they were finished, one of the painters told my wife that his painting partner had something for us. The second painter went out to his truck, and as he was doing so, the first painter told my wife that, you know, my partner, he's a woodworker. And my wife was thinking, I think probably, that's interesting, but what does this have to do with anything? And And I don't know if maybe they saw some piece of art on our walls or they picked up some kind of vibe, whatever it was. They must have sensed that we were people of faith. I don't think they knew that I was a pastor. So the second painter comes back and then presents us, and I'll put this picture up on on my Podbean page, comes back and presents me this picture of Jesus. He he himself had sketched the picture and then used his wood-burning tools to create it. And he made it just for us. So he's a painter... And yet he also does something else outside of that to bring life, creativity, and allow the world to flourish, to offer this gift to us. We were floored by this act of kindness. But it confirmed my sense that they consider their work to be a holy task. Now, this wood-burning picture is not necessarily something that I would buy in a store and say, this is my kind of art. And yet now it holds a very important place on my wall because it reminds me of creativity. It reminds me of the care that someone takes because of how they are gifted, because of the breath of life that is in them, and that's how they are living it out. We all, we all have that ability, whether you work in sales or cook meals for loved ones or diagnose diseases or help a person with their taxes or pick up garbage for a living, whatever you do, whether you are constantly looking for work as well, we create something beautiful. 
when we do that. Even when we feel like nobody notices. Even when we feel like this is just, I'm coming and going and no one pays any attention. Friends, let me tell you, I believe with the bottom of my heart, everything that we deal do, somebody notices. Certainly God notices and knows that it is good when you pay attention to that and you take advantage of the breath of life that is in you. God knows this and knows that your offering is good. And I also believe that somebody else in your life notices this and is paying attention your family, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a friend of yours, maybe it is a stranger on the street, somebody is noticing how you are going about living your vocation, doing your work. The story of where we come from, friends, is not just Adam's. It's yours. You are made from the earth and you are been given the breath of life. And God has asked you to watch for a while. And then God has put you in your own guard to till and keep and to create. Maybe you have the opportunity to name things as well. Whatever it is that God has called you to do and to be, there is, I truly believe this, there is an opportunity for you somehow to create and to have an impact and to offer what you do as, an, as a gift to God. So then the question is, If this is true, if you have that breath of life, if you are made to work and to create, what will you do with it? Will you just come in and out and literally run into yourself? Or as you go out in the world, you think it's time to make something beautiful in what I do. And today will be the day that I start. Amen. So, friends, it is good to be back with you. I hope 2016 has started off well for you. Uh, as always, feel free to reach out to me, Chris at UrbanVillageChurch.org. On Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. Always happy to engage with folks. If you have questions, concerns, um, if you are struggling with what you do for a living, I have some contacts, especially if you live here in Chicago, I have contacts with some folks who can meet with you and help you in that. So, friends, have a blessed week. Pay attention to that divine spark that's within you and then respond to it in a way that serves somebody else as well. May the peace of Christ be yours.